Welcome to B2B Weekly. Every Wednesday, Marty Sanchez and I, Nemanja Živković, will be your host in a weekly Q&A where we talk all B2B related things. From sales, demand generation, social media, personal branding, lead generation, we focus on real examples, on real case studies, and we share things we only share with our team. So you get to see the way we grow our companies, the way we do marketing for our clients, you get to see everything. And not only that, you get a chance to jump on the call with us, ask questions live and share your perspective on the topic. If you are an executive, marketeer or salesperson, this is for you. Welcome to the B2B Weekly. Yeah, that's good. I have allergies and like once a month it, it hits me and when it hits me it's 48 hours of hell. Ah, allergies. Yeah, I have them too, but it was uh it wasn't that hard this year. Yeah, for me it, when it gets uh warmer is when it really it's really hard. But can't complain, can't complain. Yeah. Well, that's how it is, the sickness of the modern age. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's rough though. All right, so I have, uh, as people join in, we'll, I'll let them in. Uh, I have a few topics that we want to touch on today uh, for the second uh, episode of B2B Weekly. Uh, just in case there's new people from, that were not here last week, I think we should quickly introduce ourselves. Reminded does that work with you? Yeah. All right. If you, if you want to start, I'll follow you. Yeah. Basically, I'm someone who's running, a, a, I don't like to call it an agency, but more of a, of a team that's working with B2B companies to help them de- generate persistent um, revenue with cost-efficient strategies. Basically, that's it. Perfect. And on my end, we work a lot with B2B CEOs to grow their personal brand. We help them create content, especially. Uh, we do a lot of LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, podcast as well. And my focus has been on how to how do you create content to generate inbound, whether you're a B2B company or whether you're a B2B CEO growing your personal brand or somebody trying to um, share their message to the world. Uh, Nemanja, you and I have uh, touched on, on a few different B2B content topics and B2B overall. Uh, one of them that I think we could start today uh, is on how to use uh, social media to network and to sell, right? So social selling and how to utilize content for networking and to generate inbound. And I wanted to hear more about how do you network um, using LinkedIn specifically. We can start there. Uh, and wh- what are the strategies that you've seen that have worked versus the ones that don't work in, in networking and, and social media? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the, the topic that a lot of people are talking these days. I was getting in the last two weeks, I think three people asking me about the, about the social selling. And mm-hmm. uh, I realized that in the recent uh, recent months, I started to connect social selling with with the bad side of it. So what social selling is not and what people are doing to, to, to get to it. So I think we can start with what social selling is. Like an example, last week was my birthday and a guy sent me like uh, 
happy birthday before the birthday. I hope you have uh, a nice, uh, nice celebration. And then he sent me um, basically congratulations for the birthday. And by the way, we are available for that, that, and that. Please <laughs> use that link and check it out. That's totally how you are not supposed to do it. Yeah. First of all, happy birthday. Happy yeah, late yeah. birthday. And, and this is related to another topic that we wanted to touch on on this episode of empathy in B2B, right? Uh, yeah, so they're very related, in my opinion, of having empathy with social selling. And social selling, it's, in my opinion, it's one of those buzzwords that make a lot of sense at the beginning. And then they, they start getting a, a negative connotation until they're, they're trash, right? And then we start seeing these things. So I think we as marketers ruin everything. So cold email was fantastic until we ruin it. Text messaging is going to be fantastic until we ruin it. And social selling was great. was a great idea, right? Because it's about um, using social media to build relationships and to the point that uh, until you see an opportunity that makes sense uh, to collaborate and it's a win-win opportunity to, to help somebody. But it has transformed into... I just sell, I do sales on social media, which is not the same thing as social selling, right? Yeah. So, so tell me in terms of like empathy, tell me how did that message make you feel, right? Like it's your birthday. Somebody sends you a message saying happy birthday and then they try to sell you. Like what's your reaction to that? Yeah, I mean, that's just, uh, I don't know how to call it. It's actually, it's fine if you look at in the, from that perspective, but it's just going against everything that's uh, that's ethical or sacred just to, to get somebody to click on the link and right. uh, people don't think that they won't get anything out of my click over there because they gave me nothing they say happy birthday click the link <laughs> you know and social selling actually is um, how we are using social media to let's say find connect with understand and even nurture sales prospects. I mean, it's the modern way of how we develop meaningful relationships with uh, not only potential customers, but people who can give us some value. It doesn't have to be connected with the, with the sales all the time. And uh, I think a lot of people are forgetting that. For some people, uh, social selling replaced the, basically the cold calling. Yeah, right. And, and the other thing, right, it makes you feel bad and then it doesn't get results. Because yeah. if, if it made, I would understand the argument of I am trying to do something who doesn't feel very good or it's not very ethical, but it gets a lot of results. So I'm going to keep doing, but it doesn't, right? Because you're never going to click that link. And, and if you click it, you're never going to buy from somebody who used your birthday to sell you on something with no context. So I think at the end of the day, um, social selling went down with no empathy. It's, it's exactly what you said. It's cold calling, cold emailing, and it, it really doesn't work. So as marketers, we need to figure out how to utilize social selling to actually build relationships, right? So, so tell me what, what do you think works in terms of social selling? Like, do, do you do social selling and how you, how you works for you uh, well basically 
how do I look at social selling is basically uh, doing everything uh, but selling. I mean, uh, just today I, I added a comment on, uh, on Chris Walker's post when he was also writing something about not um, writing content but not selling. Uh, I mean, just by doing that for a while now, I mean, I was never uh, a person who is like pushy and trying to sell uh, before everything. I'm a first a value first person. So I'm trying to get the right content to the right people. And if they feel like uh, we are the right fit, if they uh, feel that I gave them enough information so that I'm the one who can solve their problems or they feel like we are a match that we can work together, they will go to my profile, they will uh, check it out, they will see in a feature sector, uh, section that I have uh, a link to, uh, to contact us page from Funky Marketing website when they can schedule a call. And uh, the copy on that, on that page says, this is where you start growing your business. Basically, they go over there and they schedule a meeting. And I was, uh, I was able to, uh, to get at least three calls from like almost ideal customers in the last four weeks constantly. Right. So it, it means that my content is, uh, is doing the right thing, exactly the thing that I want, want it to do. And it is educating the right people who um, will then uh, see the fit, see that they can use uh, those things that I'm talking about, those strategies that I'm talking about uh, to grow their business. And what's uh, interesting is that those people are not my connections. They became my connections after I saw a scheduled call. So uh, they saw my post somewhere, somebody liked them from their network and they went out, uh, check out my profile and just schedule a call. Right. They, so they had my feed, they saw what I was talking about in the last few weeks and that's it right so i have three thoughts from from what you said which i think is really interesting one your website is has to become your best salesperson right because it you do the selling on the on the website your content and your social selling strategy just focuses on getting people to the website and then they can see if, how exactly they can help you right um, i think your your linkedin profile as well needs to be very optimized so that uh, when people reach out, see your name or you leave a comment, they can look at your bio and your LinkedIn profile and actually get an understanding of uh, what you do, right? So it's very important to get the copyright on your profile, get the headline right, get the links, get the work experience right. Your LinkedIn profile needs to be on the game to, to help uh, the people that you drive from your engagement, from your content towards actually the next step, which is your website and a DM seeing uh, how you can work together. Um, the second aspect that I wanted to mention from that is um, the importance of content marketing and social selling, right? Because there's a lot of social selling, which is uh, DMs uh, and engaging in comments, but you need to put out content to start those conversations as well, right? And then <clears throat> identify yourself as a thought leader. Uh, so that's why content, I think, is key in social selling. Uh, so t tell, me more, tell me more about that. Tell me more about like why 
content needs to be one of the main priorities for social selling? Yeah, basically, uh, there are two aspects of it. First one is that uh, we need to, uh, we can use content to see actually what's working, what's not, uh, what's interesting for the people, what's useful for them. So, you know, we can think about it or we can just post and see what's working and what's not. And I mean, as long as we keep like three or four hours between the posts, we can post as much as we can. And uh, it won't be too much if the posts are right and they're uh, giving the right value. But uh, what I'm seeing is that people are just posting for the sake of posting. You know, there needs to be a strategy, as you mentioned last time, you need to have the KPIs between, uh, behind it to know what, what you are uh, going after. And uh, one more thing is that on the other hand, you need to engage with people. One thing is to, to post on your, on your side and to give your perspective. And the other one is to go uh, and comment on other people's posts and give value over there too. I, I don't mean like it's nice posts, nice job, man, those kind of things, but going there and really writing useful things with, with advices, with uh, your overview, those kind of things. And it's good also, uh, as we talked about on your podcast, to, to see if uh, that comment gets attractions, you can use it also for your post. And there's a mistake that I'm seeing uh, that people are making when it comes to those things is that uh, they're going all in on posting or all in on commenting. There's no middle. And if they are commenting, they are usually doing that on uh, the profiles of their, I don't know, coworkers, uh, of their friends, family, relatives, and nothing can get out of it. I mean, you should comment on the posts of your ideal clients or your uh, potential clients or people who uh, can get something out of it. You can create connection with. And yeah, what's your point of that? So I have, a, I have a very tactical tip here that I use personally uh, for engaging because engaging takes a lot of time, right? And if you're a marketer or you're a salesperson or, or you're a business owner, you probably don't have four hours every day to be on LinkedIn. I think it's important to be time on LinkedIn. Like LinkedIn is very important. And I spend a lot of time there, but engaging can be very time consuming. So a practical tip that I have utilized is if you have LinkedIn sales navigator, which is a bit expensive, but uh, can really work because um, it can have a great ROI. Uh, what I what I do is I have a list of 250 prospects that are my ideal clients. Right? In my, in my case, those are B2B CEOs from the United States, um, running companies doing with over 50 employees mostly. And what I do is instead of being on the feed on LinkedIn, which gets filled up with other people's comments or um, people that are sharing stuff that I don't need or people that are my connections, but not my ideal clients. I go to LinkedIn sales navigator and on that list, it alerts me every time that one of my clients post. So I go in each every morning with, for 15 minutes, 
I go to LinkedIn Sales Navigator, get the alarms and engage on each client, potential client, instead of being on the feed. And that saves me a couple hours every day um, and makes me be very targeted with my engaging and getting the most out of my time. So that, that's something that I use personally to engage um, with people. But uh, this, it's something that I should do more personally. But I think if your content is good and your content is engaging, starting a lot of conversations, then you can over-index on your content, in my opinion. Um, and that's what, I, what I've seen the most for myself. If my, I'm putting out good content, then I don't have to spend so much time engaging. What, what do you think about that, Manya? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I was doing that also with LinkedIn Sales Navigator. It's great. Not only on LinkedIn, I was using that on, on Instagram and on, and on Twitter also. Um, and not only for business. I mean, I've been using it to hear the news that, that I want to that I want to hear. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's great. Also, when it comes to content, what we didn't uh, mention is that type of content. If you want to provoke uh, reactions and you want to uh, other people to feel the exact emotion that you are trying to, uh, to uh, get to them, you need to mix with uh, with different kind of kind of content. I mean, not only something that's working. Of course, you're gonna go all in on, on something that's that's maybe new on the platform or it's giving you the most reach. But other things are also important, like not going all in on only on text, going on videos and mixing it up with with some photos who are like more natural because you are showing that you are doing something offline or so it's it's great that you can show a wider side of your personality you can get closer to the people i actually have disagree with you on that uh, because i think it's very individual to the person right so if you're a good writer i'd say 98 percent of your posts need to be writing right if writing is your thing then just do writing at least at the beginning, then expand on to other things, uh, but focus, know what you're good at. And then that's the type of content you create. Cause it's, what's going to give you the best results, no matter what the algorithm says, because if the algorithm, which it does says text-based posts work better, um, but you're a terrible writer and you're a great video maker, your posts that are written are going to be trash versus if you do what you're good at and over index on that, uh, then it's going to be better. If you're a great photographer, put out photos. If you're a great video maker, put out videos. And if you're a great writer, create written content. Um, and then six months down the line, a year down the line, maybe start mixing it up, right? But, but at the beginning, focus on what you're good at. What's your skill to communicate? And then double down on that. Because it's better to be the great writer than to be a good writer, good video maker. At least at the beginning. That, then... I started just writing and now I'm putting some video content, but all the way until now, it's just been writing, right? And I'm never going to put pictures because I'm not very photogenic and I look horrible in pictures. So I'm not going to put that, but I know what I'm good at and I know what I want to improve and I know what I don't even want to touch ever, uh, which is pictures. But I do have a question for you, which is, so you, you say your value first and, and I see that on your, on your post. Uh, but do you ever put out an offer post where you like say, hey, I'm available to talk or uh, I have time for a few 
free consulting or, or is it just always value, no, no sales? Yeah, I mean, I consider that also a value. Like uh, when you're trying to help people on one-on-one -on -one calls and those kind of things, that's, that's even more value than just writing posts. Right, but, but we all know what we mean by that. Like if I say uh, I'm taking a few free consulting calls, it's because I want to sign you as a client. Like let's, let's not bullshit each other, right? In, in the vast majority of cases. So when we say I have a, free, a few hours to take on free consulting, it's, it's mostly sales. And it's a copywritten for sales type of post. So do you mix both or do you just do, I'm going to give you so much value until you come to me? I do it from, from time to time, but not that, uh, that often. I mean, I do it from time to time, mostly in funky marketing Facebook group. When they're like, but what's happening? It's like not the people who are the most active over there are responding to that, but some people who have a need. And right. I usually do it when I have time, like around the new year or I don't know. Now with, when it's a holiday or something like that, you know, when people are free and then I, I, I ask them. But I also give, when, when somebody schedule a call, I give them like, half an hour of free consulting, no matter if they're going to get to it or not. It's up to them how much information they're going to provide uh, before the call. I like that. Do, do you want me to like share what, what I'm doing and which just has been working pretty well? So every two weeks, so on the first and third Thursday of every month, I put out an offer post. And then on that offer post, it's sales copywriting completely. Um, where I offer 30 minutes of my time for free consulting for, with content marketing or personal branding. And I call out the specific people that I want. I say, hey, B2B CEOs. Um, I, I, I have four hours next week that I'm going to split in 30 minutes breaks for people to get free consulting with me. And that has generated so much business for me. Um, because it's a way of doing the last push for people that have seen your content to say, okay, now's the time I reach out, right? Um, so I say, put out me in the comments if you want me to schedule something, and I'll DM you. And every time I put that, I generate four to five uh, calls. Maybe I close one, maybe I close zero, but it's four, four or five actual leads uh, that, that help, help me. Um, but at the same time, I don't recommend everybody to do that or to do it that often as I do, because I do it every two weeks, but at the same time I post every day, every day. Right. So, and I'm posting pure value. Uh, so one, every 15 post of sales is fine to me, at least for myself. Uh, but if you're doing it every single time, then it's not going to work. And the other thing I say though, and I, and I actually believe that and, I, and it's true and I do it is I say, I'm not going to pitch you. So if you join the call with me for 30 minutes, I'm not going to say, work with, let's work together. You might say it because I'm really good, but I'm not going to be the one to bring it up. And I think that also like lowers the pressure of people joining the call and, and we can actually build good relationships when, when we're both straightforward with each other. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with everything that you said. I, I disagree that you don't need to do it because people 
go into those extremes. Either I'm gonna post content without any sales CTA, or I'm gonna go all sales. Absolutely. And, and I, I think Petra make, makes a really good point here. Uh, she put it in the comments, guys, if you wanna say yeah. it, where she talks about like, you can get great recommendations and reviews from those calls. It doesn't have to be direct sales. And that's, uh, that's exactly right, right? Like you're getting, you're helping somebody. I've gotten a couple of testimonials that I still use uh, from time to time, right? Um, and you're building relationships, which it might not be a client right now because it's not a good fit, but it might be a client two years down the line, right? I was talking the other day uh, with the business owner of a company that helps uh, furniture companies take a table or a chair and using v, um, virtual reality with the phone make you look like it's in your house to see how it fits and stuff like that. And they had just started, right? They were doing a couple grand in, in revenue and they were not a good fit right now, but I tried to add so much value because two years from now, maybe they're doing a couple million, right? And, and now we have that relationship. So you can get recommendations, reviews, and just human relationships from trying to meet people through your content. And that's why I call content-based networking, um, which is something that will be interesting to talk, right? Like how to use content to, to network with people as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, if I uh, were writing content in a different way, I would probably do the same as, as you are doing. Uh, because I think the way I write content, I provoke people to react. Uh, because I'm talking about things that I'm seeing that are not ethical, not good. I'm provoking people to take action or to do something, and they do. And it uh, it goes on the other way because they are coming to me to to uh, to work with them. And if I were doing uh, like sales posts. Uh, that that rare i mean uh that often it would mean that i would have to grow on a much higher pace than i'm uh growing right now and that's not something that i want and uh so basically what i'm what i was doing i was uh, connecting with people for a month and a half or two or three months uh and i didn't respond to anybody then i I'm taking time, like few hours to respond to everybody, like personally, and to, to tell them like, um, I would be like delighted to know more about you. I mean, I think 90% of the people who are friends with me on LinkedIn, uh, who are connected with me, uh, know that word, that word, because I'm getting feedback like nobody's saying that. Right. Nobody really wants to get to know the people. And I'm, I'm continuing the conversation. I'm not just sending one message. And uh, right now, I didn't send a welcome message to uh, anybody, I think, in more than three months. Mm -hmm. Because if I do, I will get clients. Right. That's how I see the pattern works. And uh, basically, now I'm satisfied where I am. I want to produce results because I'm focusing on revenue. So. It takes that's time. a good problem to have, right? Know that when you're building exactly. relationships, you get clients. And, exactly. and this leads me to like how we, you and I met, right? Because we connected on LinkedIn. Uh, 
and then we we had a welcome message, right? I don't know what we were talking about, but we were talking. I think we were talking about Red Star uh, yeah. versus Partizan or something like like basketball. And then for the next month, I don't think we talked, but we saw each other's content, and then we commented, and 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 we were nurtured over time. And that's another thing that um, we've we've discussed before, that content marketing and and just marketing in B two B takes time. It's not transactional it's not immediate it's not impulsive you don't buy a ten thousand dollar a month retainer like you buy a t-shirt so it's going to take time and as marketers and salespeople, we're impatient and we want it to, today we want to generate that lead today while if we just waited a little bit and acted like human beings we would have that lead three months down the line but we blow it by trying to rush things it's like dating Right, like you would not ask a guy or a girl to marry you on on the first date because she's gonna look at you and say, "What are you? What are you talking about?" And she's gonna run away. And and that's what we do with marketers, right? We say, "Happy birthday!" Hey, would you like to click this link and, and buy my stuff? Um, so, like calming things down, being relaxed, acting more human is the way that marketers should approach social selling and content. Uh, I wanted to ask you about something because you, you talk about the way you write and I do agree with you that there's a lot of personality in in your content as well. Um, and it's something that we're missing in B2B, right? A lot of our B2B content is boring. It's technical. It's not uh, entertaining at all. And, and that's one of the things that D2C and direct-to-consumer companies do much better. Their content is so much more engaging. So how do we inject our personality to B2B marketing? How do we make B2B marketing fun to watch and fun to read and fun to consume? Yeah, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth uh, because that's the topic that I wanted to get into. Uh, basically, how I see the empathy. Uh, empathy is the one thing that's between uh, us, potential client and the trust. So we need to get uh, to the point where we have empathy for our potential clients so we can get to the point where we can have their trust and when they can actually believe that we can uh, fulfill what we are saying that we, that we can do. And uh, in B2B, it's so much more focused on, on the brand. It's so much more direct to, to consumer because uh, you can do so many more things. You can do so many more things often because it's, uh, the, the selling is fast, the marketing is fast, you can see the results uh, faster. While here in B2B, I mean, people often, often come up with B2B as something uh, mystical, you know? And if we get that personality, that focus on the brand, emotions into B2B, it changes completely. It may be in like 10 years ago, it was like this unemotional but uh, because it was one-sided and now when it's two-sided communication in b2b are also people so it's human to human and we need to get the communication to the to that basic level or talking to another human and how do we do that we do the we do the research uh we see who are those people what are their interests uh what motivates them what are the uh, pain points are something that's that's common, uh, but if we get into some specific things that we can 
we can go and, and see what, uh, what it's all about. I always remember that, that example. Um, I always think that for good copywriting and for writing good things, the, the research is the most important thing. Mm. And uh, an example we did uh, in the last company I worked for, for a client where we had to, uh, for some medical clinic, we needed to get uh, women who are pregnant to the, to the clinic. And that means that we need to create a demand between women who are thinking about uh, having kids. Right. We need to get into that mindset. So we need to think, I don't know, if you are a man thinking about, you need to get into the women personality, into the whole mindset. Right. So this is how you create the engaging content. You are thinking as your potential clients, as the people who you are talking to. Right. And right. if you are getting uh, it in a more interesting way, which will motivate them to react, that's where you get the traction. Absolutely. And I think it's what you mentioned, right? We, we talk about B2B, but, and, and we, we say it as this um, company to company, but at the end of the day, there's a human on the other side and there's a human in our side, right? And her name is Michelle and my name is Marty and we have to communicate. So when, when we talk about B2B, like you said, we're talking about human to human, but we don't, there are a few reasons and I wanna get into that. But one tactical advice I would say for B2B companies struggling with that is one, to invest in the personal brands of their executive team, but also of their employees, right? So. I think personal brand is the solution to making B2B more human. When, when you're doing the personal brand, you're promoting, whether it's your CEO, whether it's your VP of marketing, whatever individual it is in the company, you're allowing their human to promote the company versus the company promoting company. And I think that, uh, just letting somebody in again, that shifts the way we communicate, right? Because nobody cares about, my company is called Influence Podium. Nobody gives a fuck about the influence body. Like they care absolutely nothing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No worries. Working from home, it, it happens. It yeah, happens. Yeah. So what, what we were saying, right? Like um, the the way we communicate in between when, when we're promoting the human, uh, that's what they care about because they might not care about influence podium but they care about me and my story so when i help promote and create content for my personal brand that directs back to my to my company and my company benefits and when my employees grow their personal brands instead of me being scared of them creating content i enjoy it because by building their personal brands they're also building the company they're building the company so uh, a lot of companies no matter how technical they are especially in technical companies right like we were working with some IT company the other day and nobody understands what they do in terms of content, but their CEO could grow their personal brand and become the most known CEO in the IT field. And then that would lead back to the company benefiting. So as we grow, um, as we grow towards more B2B content, more personality in B2B, personal brands is something that, that matter. Uh, your thoughts on that, Nemanja? Yeah, I mean, I agree. That's where the employer branding uh, comes in. And 
I think we should we should just uh, take take one hour in maybe in some of the next episode and talk get more into to the employer branding from the from the company standpoint. But what you remind remind me now is a thing that, uh, that I was talking with uh, with somebody just a few days ago uh, is that why uh, companies uh, are not investing in marketing and not really investing because they are, but not believing in, uh, in marketing. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Cause to, to automute everybody when- <laughs> Yeah, no worries, Philip, no worries. Um, I, I yeah, think- uh, what One I of the, go ahead, go ahead. Uh-huh, that uh, basically the CEO doesn't believe in marketing. They will hire somebody and won't give them the, the munition, won't give them the budget. Or they will hire somebody just for the sake that they can say that they have the marketing team. Uh, and basically it gives us to the point uh, why CMOs, CMO roles are uh, that replaceable. Because people don't have ammunition, they don't have what to work with. And it's all because uh, the, the CEOs doesn't understand um, why they should do certain things. I think you, you are doing that communication with, uh, with the decision maker and CEOs working on their personal brand. And I think you are probably uh, getting into that conversation for them to understand why do they need to personally get active? And when they do, it changes totally their perspective on, uh, on the marketing, on how some things are working and, you know, how people are seeing it. Yeah, I mean, the, the people I work with, if they want to grow their personal brand, they are already CEO, like marketing CEO driven, right? The problem is 90% of CEOs don't believe in marketing. And I don't want to blame CEOs only. Because part of it is true, like, I understand why they don't believe in marketing. And if there's more marketing people here in this call, I, I think we need to hear this. Like, marketing often sucks. Like, marketing often doesn't deliver results. Most of the time. Most of the time, your marketing is not delivering results, right? So as a CEO, I believe in marketing because it's what I am. But if I was a technical CEO, I would go for sales because sales at least seem to deliver more than marketing because the marketing this grow your brand equity and grow your brand in most cases you guys are not doing it well and it's not working now it's not going to work right away and we know that but we have to be accountable to ourselves right? we have to own a number and, and determine what success versus what isn't I, I was working with an enterprise company through a friend last week and they invested a ton of money i'm talking 50K a month plus into marketing with no number, like no number that is, this is successful versus this is, and I'm not saying that number has to be leads or has to be whatever, but there has to be a way to keep our marketing people accountable. And I say that as someone who is in marketing full time, like marketing is what I do, but, but sales own a number, right? Like they said revenue. And if we don't hit that revenue, we were not successful. But branding and marketing, if we don't own a number, then we're in this not needed, but nice to have type of thing. And that's why a lot of CEOs are driving. I think the other challenge that we have as marketers, we need to educate our CEOs. Right? Like, so, so why are the things that marketers 
can educate their executive team, Nemanja? What, what do you think should they be helping the CEOs who are more technical understand? Yeah, that's, that's how, what, what I wanted to hear from you. That's why I got to the topic. Uh, yeah, w one thing is that we need to educate them and get to the, to the, same, uh, to the same perspective as, as them so they can understand. Because today, uh, so many CEOs now are technical CEOs, as you mentioned, like developers or engineers, and they are thinking on a totally different way than their marketer is. Or somebody who works in, a, in HR and want to, to grow employer branding of the company. They just don't even know what language you're talking. Because if I'm a technical, I'm a developer. All I know is about whatever the fuck developers know about, which I have no idea. You see, but that's the problem, right? I, I don't know what they know. And if I tell him we need to invest $15,000 on search engine optimization, he's going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? So like, how do we communicate in a language that we both understand? I think that's one of the biggest challenges that B2B companies have. Yeah, yeah. Totally agree. And like, this is some of the, the issues that then drive the problems, right? Because if I don't understand, if I'm a technical CEO and I don't understand, then I'm going to quit the projects before they can succeed, right? So if I don't see results on month two and sales deliver in month two, then I'm thinking that you don't work and then I quit it, right? Like I cut the budget. Well, maybe, I don't know if you've seen that, that meme where it's like a guy is trying to get like hitting the rocks to see the diamonds and he quits before the last stroke, right? So maybe that's what ha was happening and your marketing team needed one more month. But if we don't educate our CEOs on timing expectations, language, what are the things that we're doing? Why are we doing them? How are we helping our clients and simplifying our language to help them that they're not going to understand, right? So maybe instead of next time you have a meeting with your C CEO, instead of t selling we need to invest in SEO. We need to, you say, we need to invest in when our buyers look up on Google how to buy our product. We're the first people that come up. So maybe they understand that. So language is super important inside of organizations. Yeah, I mean, I spent last month uh, explaining uh, a client who is, uh, who is an engineer how uh, SEO, PPC, Facebook ads are working. Like how the funnel is working step by step. I mean, that's something that I don't want to do, but I right. need to do it right. so, so he can so he can understand. Uh, and uh, I was just last night. Uh, I'm hosting these meetups every two weeks uh, when I get somebody from the business or art world and to share their story. And we were talking about about SEO, like people working in SEO usually say i cannot promise you anything right not even a six month maybe in in six months maybe in a year but that's that's not the answer because i was doing seo and i know that you can promise something in six months if you're doing the right way i was gonna say if you say i cannot promise anything then you're probably trash honestly like i'm not saying you pr you promise results or, or you you promise we're gonna triplicate your revenue but you need to promise at least something so that the CEO understands, right? Maybe you, and Philip, maybe you want to jump, unmute yourself and jump in here to talk yeah. about outcome-oriented communication. 
because I think you make a great point, right? At least tell them how you're going to try to get to the outcome. Uh, Philip, you, you, have the, you have the floor. Tell us more <laughs> about outcome-oriented communication, please. Um, it's, as, it's exactly as you guys already said. Um, its goal has to be, I want to do this for that so that we can then do X, Y, Z. Um, and most of the times, and um, it's, it's the same with numbers, yeah? And if we can't represent our results in, in numbers or in any fashionable, understandable way, dumb it down. Um, but not dumb, but in the sense of that even your mother, your father, who's not in that sector, can understand it. And yeah, I think the most honest point is what I always try to do is just explain it to my son. <laughs> and then if that works out, everybody else can also understand it. Yeah. Um, problem is, the more I do it, the more he understands, and then the, <laughs> I have to find another person to. And he becomes a great marketer. <laughs> Who knows? Could be. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's 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 exactly the point. Um, and and this is this is what you guys already said with empathy. That's the same in in any piece of content. Um, when we're experts, we we always jump into our lingo, into our buzzwords, um, and. It, if we talk to one another, we use these because they reduce the complexity for us. Um, but if we talk to, to somebody else who isn't, in all, who isn't either that knowledgeable in that field or who has worked in that field, um, yeah, you really have to reduce it. And if you're good at that, you're practically good at your job because um, you, you understand the complex concept. But on the other hand, you, you can really, really then explain it. And that means that you've fully embraced and fully understood the complete topic. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I try to explain it to my grandma, right? Like if my grandma who is 80 years old understands, then the CEO who runs a web development company, he's going to get it too, right? And what you said about using numbers, I think that's super important as well because that differentiates you from 90% or 95% of the agencies out there. So being able to say, we help this company increase by X percent or by total of Y, then you're, you're breaking through the 95% of, of agencies, especially in marketing, who just use a lot of buzzwords and actually don't get results. And so being able to prove that uh, while you're selling, on, while you're using marketing, but also while you're communicating one-on-one -on -one with, with your clients, or internally within your team, I think that can make all the difference. What do you think, Nemanja? Yeah, there's also other side of it, uh, and that's knowing what you what you want to get when you are buying for buying something. You know, I'm outsourcing a lot of things, and uh, oftentimes, like people just don't want to get into uh, giving specific things if you don't demand them. No, because it's easier. They are used to that kind of things and they are used to people not demanding, not holding them accountable for the results. No, and it's, and it's easy. So it's also the other side, you need to know what you are uh, going after and what you want to get for the price that you are paying. Yeah, and, and, and it's what we're saying, right? You have to talk their language. They're not going to talk yours. Right? So if we're talking, if you're an agency working with clients, or if you're part of the marketing or sales team within an organization and you report back to the BP or, or to the executive team, they're not going to learn about SEO to be able to talk to you. You have to learn how to talk to them. Right. And that's been, 
um, a challenge when I'm working with more technical CEOs because I don't know a lot about fintech or I don't know a lot about web development or stuff like that. So to me, it's more about like, you have to do, it's what you're saying. You have to do the research so you're able to communicate with them. It's like copywriting. One-on-one communication is like copywriting. You're just barely communicating with other stakeholders and you need to be able to share certain ways they understand. It, it, and it's what, what Philip was saying, right? It comes back to empathy. Do you, are you selfish asshole that is going to say, we're going to do PPC for you? Or are you going to say, when people look up on Google, we're going to pay so that you're the first link that they see, right? It, it's a completely different strategy and on communication ways. And that can change a lot. If there's one tactical thing that I think we can take out of today is how to create outcome-oriented communication, shout out to Philip, to improve communications internally, externally, and, and as with potential clients as well. Agree. We should name the, this, uh, this week's episode <laughs> that way. Philip, yeah. And, and that's what we're saying, right? And that, that type of communication is less boring, it's more effective, um, and we've talked about this, like how, why, how to make, before we end this, how to make B2B conversation less boring. That's one way, right? And, and using empathy to communicate in ways that the other party understands. And the other thing is like, don't be scared, right? A lot of B2B companies are scared to show personality because they have investors or they have, or they think that they have to be serious all the time. And they don't, right? Like they, you can take some of the lessons from D2C and and apply them to b2b like on twitter mcdonald's and and do stuff fast food companies they kill it because they show personality nike it become it became uh the the bar became so low that you just need to respond um in humorous way and you'll get it yeah nike put out a fucking commercial or a fucking ad with um I forgot the guy's name playing the place football, but who was taking a shoulder during the national, I mean, a knee during the national anthem. And whether you agree or not with that strategy or whether you agree with, not with, with him specifically, Nike stood for something and showed their personality, right? And their sales increased and their values of brand increased because now that, that's something that you relate to. But there's no B2B company in the world who is, would have taken that stand and stand for something right so how do we transition that how do we let b2b companies be more um human be more personalized be more uh on one side or the other not always in the middle that's feel good right let's get more radical and our b2b companies are going to explode yeah also one other one other thing is uh being more conversational like sparking, going after conversations, not after after sales. All sales come from an initial conversation, right? So especially in B two B. So, so this is something that I believe in a lot. How do we make um, our communication a, a bit more human, a bit more conversational? Uh, I'm not saying we have the answers. I'm saying this is something that if you're in B two B, you have to start thinking, right? Because if we all sound the same, nobody stands out. But if somebody sounds differently, 
it, it changes the way we communicate. Drift does this very well, right? The conversion machine guys, they have a voice and they use personal brands. Um, there's a competitor of Shopify who is run by, by a good friend of mine. The company is called Elliot, um, who have like used D2C communication strategies in B2B. Follow them on Twitter. Their name is Elliot Store, E-L-I-O-T Store. Um, and you'll see that the content they make seems like D2C, but it's B2B. And, and they're growing just from social media. So this works. We just have to be less afraid, right? Yeah, guys, any any questions? And we can wrap up the this week's Q&A slowly. Marty was brave. I was so I'm so sick, guys. I I have big time allergies, but I'm gonna push through it. And, and the la the last thing before we wrap this up, I I think B2B companies need to be aware of the channel they communicate in, right? Before you needed Forbes, you needed commercials, you needed um, a TV show if you wanted to be on TV, and and now that we have gone past that, we don't need a middleman. Like you can communicate with your marketplace um, on Twitter, on social media, on LinkedIn. You can have a podcast, which is like a TV show. You can write on Medium, which is like writing for Forbes. Um, so the, the channels of communication have changed. And, and a lot of B2B companies are old school. And we, we need to adapt and, and move to the 21st century as well. But yeah, if we don't have any question, we can wrap this up and get ready for next, next Wednesday for another episode. Um, yeah, guys, feel free to, to send us questions, messages, suggestions of what we uh, can talk about, what can be the next topics, maybe even more specific or strategic ones so we can get into some examples. That would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you guys don't have it right now, feel free to send it during the week. I'll put out my LinkedIn if you want to do the same. Uh, Amaya, I'll put it here. Um, I'm, oh shit, that, that's the. I think I'm connected with everybody on the call. Okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, all right, so I'll. You can look me up on LinkedIn because I put the wrong link at Marty Sanchez or join my email. I just put you guys the LinkedIn URL in case you need it <laughs> or my email newsletter. And we'll see you next Wednesday. Right, Amaya? Same time, yep. same place. Same place, same time. Hopefully feeling same better. Guys. But <laughs> awesome, guys. L let's hope I'm not going to replace you with, with the allergies. <laughs> yeah, because I'm crying today. So, like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out. All right, guys. I, I appreciate your time. Next Wednesday, 6 p.m., same time, same place. All right. Bye. Bye.